Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Randall, how are you? Oh, that was a five-second <laughs> fucking delay. Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm good. How good? are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Where Where are you? So I'm up in Evan's head at another shushing library thing. Um, in a somehow it's it's Evan's head bolo or bowling club, and it's somehow combined with the caravan park. So. I'm literally in a, a caravan park cabin next to the bolo. Um, and who I says have... that? Um, who says that libraries don't know how to treat their staff? Fucking hundred percent, hundred percent. So, yeah. So I'm sitting here on a what seems to be a really unstable uh, connection. Uh, I jump from the the free bolo Wi-Fi to hot spotting on my phone. I think my 4G's shit, so I've jumped back to the bolo Wi-Fi, which is not much better. But let's see how we go. Oh, actually, before we get started, right? So I don't know um, who's seen my tweet about having my boss in the car for four hours, but. Um, I was asking people to give me pod recommendations to actually, you know, for, uh, I guess have him <laughs> listening to. Um, and I went with uh, Breed Love and Booth uh, and started that, which he was happy to start listening to. Um, and that was, that was good. But then about 20 minutes in, he literally said, Brendan, I'll buy some Bitcoin if you'll turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I, so, so I did, and I'm sorry, Jeff, but then I put on Sailor and Breedlove, and he he was oh he was listen- okay with that. Well, he was listening to it, but then when we got to the destination, I'm like, so are we going to start this again tomorrow on the way back? And he's like, they're not even talking about Bitcoin; they're talking about apex predators and slingshots and <laughs> all kinds of shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I haven't got him yet, but I'm still working on it. Good man. Good man. Um, so through our dodgy connection, um, let's hope this works. But we have also have a guest um, in New Zealand. So I don't know. I think the connection over there hopefully is slightly better. Um, Dr. Simon Collins. Simon, hello. Hey, guys. How you going? I'm good. Good, thank you. Yeah. Good, thank you. We're, fir- fir- we're first world internet over here, guys. This is uh-huh. you won't get any. There's no choppiness on my end. No, it's, do you know? It's been, do you know famous, famous last words? No, famous I've, last words. I've got a because I'm a gamer, as people might know, and I've got a mate in New Zealand I play Xbox with, and he every now and then screenshots me like speed tests or his download upload, and it's fucking ridiculous. It's embarrassing how bad Australia's internet is compared to New Zealand. Yeah, although we did, we, we had a, you know, we had a national um, fiber rollout, um, which um, aimed to get 98.2% of New Zealanders covered by fiber. Mm. I live in the 0.8% oh. of the country. That's not getting fiber. So I'm on, I'm on VDSL, but 
but um but it's pretty it's good for the dsl but yeah so no i i, I feel your pain it's not um it's not nice having uh people kind of lorded over you is it is it you're in the south island simon yeah i am yeah yeah we're just i'm just over the hill from christchurch gotcha. Which, uh, if you've never been, is, is is one of the biggest cities down south. Um, but it's where all the electricity is, so that's 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 why I'm here. Oh, so that's what? okay. So that's why that, you live there anyway, or that is why you're there. I live I lived here anyway. We I was at, I'm mm-hmm. actually a Wellington boy, and we moved down south um, a few years ago to kind of take on an old family property um, that we've been cracking into over a few years. And um, um, but I was a Bitcoiner for a long time, but kind of transitioned from being a um, gainfully employed uh, public sector consultant to full-time DGEN Bitcoin miner um, over the last few years. I just got a boner. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it's not the reason why, but I'm going to turn my video off just so it's... (laughs) So it might have the connection. <laughs> but, but, but Simon, keep talking. Do you, want, do you want me to keep talking? I was going to say, do you want me to keep talking? Yeah, right, Let's right. Talk, talk about mining, keep talking baby. DJ to you. Yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, look, we live in... Um, so, South Island of New Zealand is a place of pure abundance of both food and energy. And... Um, you know, New Zealand has um, one of the world's highest um, balances of, of renewables um, as the main source of generation for the country. And the further south you go, the more renewable our energy supply gets. So, and 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 more abundant the energy and the generation um, is because mo- most of the big hydroelectric generation is down south, further even further south than we are. Um, so it makes it one of the, in my view, one of the best places in the world to mine Bitcoin, and that's why that's that's one of the reasons I started Stacker up where we're at, oh, and and why and why I started Stacker because the opportunity down here is just so good. Well, but let's go back. Let's go back. What? Um, so you you have the business. We'll get to the business. But what, you, when did you when did the mining start? And did you start in your bedroom or what? Like, how did that work? I did. Yeah, and I used to mine. I used to mine on a CPU when that was still worth doing. Yeah. Um. I I don't have any of those bitcoins. I don't even have any. I'm one of those guys that needs to go searching dumps for for old laptops because um <laughs> because I, because I I've got a, probably a few wallets out there that are probably worth quite a lot these days. Um. But yeah, so I, I mined on a CPU very very early days as sort of as, hey this is a pretty interesting little thing. Um. First time I ever used Bitcoin was to buy a, a membership to a private private torrent tracker site, and then probably in in kind of larger and larger oscillating waves, kind of like Bitcoin's hash rate. To be perfectly honest, um, kind of you know became more and more and more of a Bitcoin over time. And I moved from CPU mining to GPU mining to mining shitcoins for a while because I drank some of that Kool Aid for a little bit. Um, but then obviously when it became really obvious that that wasn't going to kind of be a viable business going forward, transition to Bitcoin. And then obviously the thing with Bitcoin is once you're into the ASIC, um, tier of mining is you, you, you have to go for scale. Like that's really the only way that you can, you can kind of make that make any sense financially. Um, and so that's when we started looking at taking on investment, 
finding a proper site and then doing the kind of due diligence on, on what we're looking at doing in the near future, which is like kind of on site, either on or off grid, um, very, very cheap and maybe demand managed mining. Um, so yeah, I've had a kind of like a exponential run into being a Bitcoiner from low touch, low interest to fully, fully in. Um, so sorry, can I just go back not to focus on well to focus on it a little bit? But you said yeah. um you did the shitcoin mining. You said you were shitcoin mining, but um it you became clear that it wasn't viable. So when that became clear that it wasn't viable, did you also then go, okay, I'm not interested in shitcoins at all? Did you just move completely, or what happened there? You know, I think there's um there's two aspects to the process there because there's there's that cognitive process, right? Where I think all Bitcoiners, I think it's valuable as a Bitcoiner to have spent some time getting to understand crypto, you know, the wider crypto space. Um, and I still consider myself a Bitcoin midi and that I think there's some value in crypto as a testbed for what we should bring over to Bitcoin, right? We should de-risk yep. everything that's worth doing in crypto at somebody else's expense in these Ponzi's that, you know, and these, these kind of venture capital backed foundation run and autocratically managed shit coins, let them do the hard work and let's bring the interesting and useful stuff over to Bitcoin and onto lightning things like, you know, on-chain swaps, like, you know, like, like, um, like DEXs and stuff. Um, you know, native stable coins, two-way pegs, all that sort of stuff. It was really, really valuable. But let's get it absolutely right. So we don't have a Luna on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. We just have we have the right solution on Bitcoin. And um so but back to what I was saying, I think it's really useful to have spent that time in crypto because you kind of understand actually what really makes Bitcoin special. There's all the shit that goes on in TradFi, banks are awful. Central banks are even worse, um, you know, remittances, financial networks, all terrible. You can see that from outside the Bitcoin ecosystem perfectly well. That drives you to Bitcoin. But then you look at the crypto space as well and you go, well, look, any of these centrally run and, and, and administered, um, in, or, you know, ecosystems can rug pull you at any time. Like, like Ethereum did with the move to proof of stake, they took the businesses of probably tens of thousands of miners around the world and just pulled the rug out from under them. Forget about the investment that you've made in hardware and equipment. Forget about the new power supplies you've had out, out you know, set out. Forget about the damage you've had us do to the, you know, the, <laughs> the graphics card market. Um, we're going to change it to something that is fundamentally flawed doesn't make any sense for anybody except the you know large institutional holders of this of this token and um, decimates an existing profitable business and so it's really useful to kind of have that experience and go well it's just not possible in bitcoin you get all of the benefits of um you know decentralized ledgers um of the of the you know censorship free transactions all all that stuff that bitcoin and to be fair crypto also offers but without any of the variability in that, without any of the risk of a centralized entity, 
pulling the rug out from under you. And so that's why I think it's really valuable to have spent time in that side of the business and understanding that while it works most of the time, that the times that it doesn't work are really problematic and so problematic that it's not worth the risk when we've got an exceptional alternative in Bitcoin. So if we go, um, like even before, like what problem are you yourself trying to solve for yourself? Um, not for anyone else, like not looking big picture. Like when you first came in, what were, were you technically minded? Were you looking at opportunities mm. in New Zealand? Were you a, 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 an energy guy? Like what, what you know, what yeah, was the good question, thing that good got, question. You, got, you, got you in and looking? I've always been really interested in, um, in, I've always been a hobbyist hardware tinkerer, right? Yeah. Love building computers, you know, love soldering stuff, build my own keyboards, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and if there's a spare part lying around, I love to find a new use for it, an innovative way to do something with it. And so that was, you know, mining is a na very natural kind of, um, uh, you know, this is like a hobby that was just sort of waiting there. It was just perfect for me to pick up because it's exactly the kind of thing I like doing. Hacking together a really ugly computer that does, that is, is absolutely fine and works almost better being ugly and exposed and a big bundle of cables. Um, that was a dream come true for, for, you know, a kind of hobbyist tinkerer like me. And so, yeah, getting into that and then the optimization, the kind of, you know, you get it running stably for six months or so. And then, you know, I could never resist kind of getting in there and seeing if I could squeeze a little bit more out, more efficiency, yeah. more hash, whatever. Um, and so I guess what I sort of did in that process was just kind of de-risk or um, to kind of really understand the dynamics of this business before kind of going in whole hog like I have now. And so, so yeah, what, I mean, what attracted me to, that's what attracted me to mining. It's just a very natural kind of progression from the kinds of things I did as a hobbyist to what I'm doing, you know, now professionally. In terms of what attracted me to Bitcoin, I mean, I think um, I think everybody goes through a progression of kind of maturity with the concept because I think when I first probably got into it, I thought, hey, you know what? It makes perfect sense for uh, the internet to have its own money, right? Like, hey, Bitcoin makes real sense, like, but you would never kind of use it as money outside of the internet, would you? Um, but I was looking forward to the day when all transactions on the internet would be based on Bitcoin. It was just like quick, fast transactions. Everybody had a little Bitcoin balance that they occasionally put, you know, fiat into to, you know, supplement what they were doing on the internet. Um, through kind of, I guess, Bitcoin, I think, kind of grew with me and that I grew into a professional guy with a family, guy who owned a house, guy with a mortgage, um, guy who had to make decisions about the application of the money that was coming into a household and looking at the way that wealth was being kind of, you know, uh, it was being whipped out from under Joe Average, like myself, and hoovered up into the sense of banks, shareholders of banks, the billionaire class, those types of people, the people who are really good at exactly that process. Were you, I was going to say, was, were you aware of that 
always, or is that something that's grown as your knowledge of Bitcoin, or as hard to say, as your knowledge of Bitcoin you know, has grown? It's really hard to say. I mean, I, I went to, uh, my PhD is in business. Um, I studied the last global financial crisis. That's what I did my PhD on. I looked at, I looked at companies mm-hmm. and their performance during that, during that particular time of the world's history. And I think what we, you know, like in, in, in doing so, I did a deep dive into what occurred, right? And it was pure malfeasance on the parts of banks, insurers, of investment banks and finance, finance companies um, who were running roughshod and playing, you know, fast and loose with other people's money in a environment that had almost no consequences to them and all consequences were, you know, externalized to, again, to Joe Average. And so in 2013, 14, 15 through 16, unfortunately PhDs take a long time, you know, like I kind of had a growing understanding of, of that that was the kind of thing that goes on. Yeah. And, and, you know, it continues to, continues to go on, you know, I was just listening to a podcast um, with um, Lynn Alden today. I think it was uh, what, you know, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention other podcasts, but what Bitcoin did today with Lynn Alden. You can imagine and, you know, like, other than Pete. No, I'm joking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, like what's really, really clear is that the same stuff's going on, you know, like it's just, you know, they take a break from it for a while while they've got their fingers burnt and their hands slapped. And then it just, it just goes back to business as usual. And so Bitcoin, of course, is pure escapism from that system it allows us to step out of it to opt out of it you know and to and to from the sidelines to say well enjoy your ponzi but i've (laughs) opted out and i will you know it gives us the opportunity i'm sure you recognize this as well as bitcoins it gives us the opportunity to go well you know what and like i'm saying with crypto i'll have that bit of what you're offering I might take some of your low interest rates for 10 years. That's great. Thank you very much. But I'm not having any of this, um, you know, um, ponzification of stocks and equities. I'm not having any of this um, excessive printing and harvesting of my purchasing power um, for the benefit of, you know, financing, you know, government spending and, um, and, you know, the bailout of banks, businesses who are, you know, technically insolvent. So that's what I think, you know, that's my kind of process and my learning and my development has kind of gone alongside that of Bitcoin. And I think I'm very fortunate that the Bitcoin narrative has developed and emerged at the same time. I've kind of emerged into a, you know, kind of a mature financial entity in and of myself. Yeah, so, you've got, um, you've kind of got, a con- sorry, Brendan, is that you? No, no, you go, mate. You got, yeah, I got, I'm, um, Moving sideways, so you go. Okay. Don't know what that means, but I'll keep, I'll keep talking. No, <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm a tree, we can't even see him. I'm having a win. Jeez. <laughs> it's it's a technique that I've, I've perfected over the years. <laughs> I just, I really hope that pillar doesn't fall off the camera, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <exactly. laughs> oh, totally derailed. Right? I'll try and compose myself. Um, so basically, what you've got is a confluence of hobby interests, academic interests, mm. and just general, you know, awareness, I guess, of, of what's going on. Mm. So, I mean, I, I 
I think we're exceedingly lucky, not just for the price of it, but to have some sort of interest that, or maybe multiple interests that brings you in in this period of time. We're so lucky that it's it's, it's not it's not a chore for any of us. And we're all doing this because yeah. we want to be here. Um, so it's fun, yeah. right? Um, yep. And and I'm sure the day job will have its challenges, but it's still you know you'll still enjoy it more than you don't. So, um, let's let's go there then. So when did the business become a thing, and when did you start yeah. deciding? Okay, well this is where I live. This is the part of the world I live in. Um, there I can see this opportunity here. I'm going to chase it. Where did where does that all come in? Yeah, good. It's a good question. It's a good question. Well, um, you know what? That was also my question that I was about to shoot out, but but fucking hell, I'll go back to my <laughs> well wank. What does shoot out in this context mean, mate? Uh, <laughs> I'll send you pictures. Uh, hi, ladies. Oh, you can't though. You can't. Your internet's too slow. Okay. Um, I'll write you a letter. Okay, so <laughs> paint me like one of your French girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so um look in the in the in the in the dying days of the twenty tens I was doing a lot of my work was as a tourism consultant um to some of the larger tourism businesses in New Zealand. And then I don't know if you've heard of um there was this um CoRID, I think. I don't know this. They stopped flying airplanes for a while, and um, that was a shame. Hasn't landed, by the way. Um, okay, so no, 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 COVID... I don't get it. Tell me, what did I miss there? And exactly, it was a <laughs> horrific joke that didn't land. COVID, COVID put paid to that as a as a job at that time, right? Um, I was a tourism oh, consultant, and 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 it's uh, uh, yes. just stopped everything dead. Um, fortunately, of course, at that time you know, Bitcoin was doing pretty well. And, and so, you know, we were sort of sitting pretty at the time, um, resting on our laurels. Gosh, those were halcyon days, weren't they? And, <laughs> um, and so that was also at the time when, some, you know, several people are kind of coming to me as, as, you know, the Oracle that I am, um, just for sort of advice on this stuff. One guy in particular, Sam, who's, who's now kind of co-founder and stacker, um, was like, you know, like, we should we should really be doing this like what can we do here and i've got these graphics cards wearing away in the background i've always really wanted to go bigger with this and he said let's let's do it and um and so it was kind of born out of an abundance of time during lockdown um but it's not so easy you know you kind of there is 99.9 percent .9 of the places in the on the entire planet if somebody said oh we should start a mining company oh let's do it and you did it where you lived you'd be fucked you would not be able to access energy at the scale and at the price that you need to to do it yeah. profitably and to do it profitably during times like this when hash price is extremely low the money that you're getting for the energy that you're putting in to Bitcoin mining at the moment is as bad as, as it's ever been. So what I said to Sam was, look, <clears throat> if we want to do this, you need to go away, get five mates with 10 grand each, and then we'll stick it all in and we'll do it. He goes away, 10 minutes later, he brings me up and I've got, I've got two. Is that enough? I said, no, it's not enough, but we better really make sure we do this properly. So I went away and kind of did business plan, um, kind of did the scoping exercise which was like hey 
if you were to do this, are we actually well positioned to do it? Would I have to, am I going to have to move to Invercargill or am I going to have to move to Cairns or am I going to have to move to, you know, Paraguay to do a good job of this? And as it turns out, Lower South Island of New Zealand is about as good a place as you could ever hope for in terms of the abundance of energy. Now, not awesomely priced at the meter, you know, at, at your house. Are we, we're talking hydro in, here, I take it, mostly hydro. Mostly or, hydro. Um, yeah. Sort of about 50% of New Zealand's energy is hydro, but um, wind, solar, geothermal are all growing, okay. particularly, okay. Wind, particularly wind and solar and particularly wind. Um, but the reality is New Zealand needs to add about 5% more renewables capacity every year to reach the targets for decarbonisation by 2050. In the last measurable year, we added 1%. So yep. what we're doing at Stacker is not just mining Bitcoin at any cost, at any price that we can find profitable um, in a way that's um, purely about the Bitcoin. Um, we're kind of environmentalists at heart as well. And so what, what we're doing and what our kind of next phase is, is about kind of demand managed, highly flexible load. Um, and what that means is we want to set up near a generator and say to that generator, sell us energy when it's profitable for you to sell us energy, but also when it's profitable for us to buy that energy. And at the times when everybody comes home at five o'clock, turns on their oven, turns on their lights, television, heat pump, plugs in their electric car, and you can get $250, $300 a megawatt, we'll take a step back and you can do that. You do that. And then when everybody goes to bed at 9, 10 p.m., those lights go off, the car's fully charged, nobody's baking, you know, nobody's cooking a roast chicken anymore, and that megawatt hour price shoots back down to average or below average, that's where we can fire back up again. And what that does for generators is it gives them higher baseline revenue. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is money that they weren't going to see otherwise, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they just see these oscillations in the in the in the price of electricity, um, and they would just they'd just suck that up. They'd go, oh, it's great, we make money between five and nine p.m. and we just kind of, you know, <clears throat> four to five a.m. just kind of sucks, and that's the way it is. What we can say is, well, we'll actually bring that baseline of revenue up at four or five a.m. And of course, the rest of the day, and um, and so you now have a better business case to go and add mm. another five megawatts. You've got a better business case to say, well, we should upgrade the local substation so that it can handle more throughput. And you've got a business case to say, well, let's improve the transmission quality between here and there because we're now putting far more energy through it more consistently. And so what this enables us to do, and especially when we're at the kind of scale that we'd like to be at, 50, 100, 200 megawatts distributed around New Zealand and even Australia, and if it was 50, and if it was around Australia as well, we'd be talking, you know, hundreds of megawatts, um, is to kind of lift the performance of the entire grid in a symbiotic way where we can say, hey, this is valuable for you. It's valuable for us. It doesn't matter what we're doing with the energy, right? We'll just buy energy off you at a fair price that wasn't going to get sold otherwise or was going to get sold at a lower price. So it's win, win, win as far as I'm concerned because it's a win for us 
It's a win for the generator and it's a win for consumers because they were never going to um, use that energy anyway. But what they now have is potentially cheaper energy because there's more capacity. So higher supply, low average, same demand. So lower prices at the, at the, um, at the, at the meter, but also a higher performing grid that delivers more consistent, resilient um, energy to houses. So that's the business plan, man. That's the, in a nutshell, that's what we're aiming to do um, for New Zealand and Australia um, using flexible load from Bitcoin. That's fucking is brilliant. There, it is. Come on, Brenda. I mean, all I was, was going to say is like, like these generators, like are you getting people or companies that are sort of pushing back saying, no, 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 Bitcoin's a scam, blah, blah, blah. Or, or do they actually listen and can understand the, the, the business case for that? Yeah. So um, it's, it's, um, it's a bit of everything, right? The very we, we have a um, a partnership with a a, um, a renewables consultancy, which is a great great one because they've just got a link to every everybody in the country who's ever put in a turbine or a you know or done a business case for for scaling renewables or something because these guys have kind of had a had a crack at either the you know have, have, they've got a relationship with them, and so one of the first people that they approached on our behalf said. Um, You'll never get our energy because we're not into the greenwashing of cryptocurrencies. Um, yeah. So that was obviously right to have as your first entry to the market. But at the end of the day, the best way to phrase it is that these guys are falling over themselves to have this kind of load on site. Because again, at the end of the day, they're in the business of selling electricity. And if you can sell more electricity or you can sell the same electricity at a higher price, that's good for business. The thing about renewables is that um, because they're intermittent by their very nature, right? Solar only during the day, wind only when the wind's blowing, lake levels for hydro goes up and down. Um, And so you actually have to overbuild the capacity that your demand profile requires in case you get that perfect storm of overcast, still day, dry summer, and um, and you don't have enough power flowing onto the network, right? Um, so you have to overbuild the capacity of renewables. But what that means is that during the very opposite of those times, sunny, windy, has been wet. I don't know how you get sunny and sunny and wet. Sometimes you can. Um, then you've got plenty of energy that goes goes begging, and so that's again another opportunity for, you know, um, large flexible load like we're talking about, to kind of come in and soak up that energy that would otherwise have been wasted or what they call curtailed. So um, there's so many ways that it fits nicely into the grid, and the way the grid operates, and that the way the grid wants to and needs to scale. Um, that it, it seems like a no-brainer to us. Now, it hasn't been recognized as a no-brainer that it is to us um, across the board. Um, there are still sort of, um, you know, you know, outside the Bitcoin community, Bitcoin can still be a bit of a dirty word. I don't understand that. I, you know, like I, I put it down to the fact that unlike 
AI companies who are going to be the next big power consumer around the world and aren't getting the same scrutiny as Bitcoin. Um, there's no marketing department and there's no PR department. Yeah. So when somebody writes a shitty article for uh, you know, a, a newspaper or something and it gets published without any kind of vetting of the truthfulness, accuracy or fairness of the claims that it makes, there's nobody to approach at Bitcoin Inc., uh, who can, you know, there's no PR person who can go, well, you know, Bitcoin Inc. vehemently uh, disagrees with these statements for these for these reasons. There's nobody to do that on its behalf. And so I think that's why the narrative kind of continues to run away on the Bitcoin is bad, Bitcoin is boiling the oceans. When it is demonstrably not, it is far more renewably produced than any other commodity on the planet. Um, it uses 0.2% of the world's energy despite being used by about 0.8% of the world's population. So it is used by four times more people than the energy proportionally that it utilizes. Um, and, it, and it creates a huge amount of value and wealth for people who engage with it in a way that just hasn't been kind of socialized to the same extent as gold mining, as having office buildings full of people tapping away on computers, putting bank account numbers into spreadsheets. Yeah. So, yeah, so we still do have a bit of a hump to get over. One place where it's working extremely well, exactly like I've described it here, is Texas. They are using Bitcoin mining to flare methane, taking that out of the um, out of, out of greenhouse gas uh, contribution equation. They're using it to um, connect to renewables like solar and wind before they get connected to the grid so they're monetizing energy that was never going to be sold before um before anyway but now it's, it's um now it's giving a return to the generator that was never there before um and it's scaling renewables by providing that kind of oh for fuck's sake all right so okay so everyone that listens knows that we're too cheap to fucking pay for zoom and simon was going off I got my second boner. I was ready to go, and then it cut off. So you were talking about Texas. <laughs> Please continue, mate, because um, it was mm -hmm. fucking enthralling. I was, I was timing that because um because I'm just trying to edge you a bit. Um, <laughs> um, that, <laughs> so, um, so, so as I say, yeah, Texas is doing an awesome job. Um. So they've used Bitcoin mining to scale out renewables or Bitcoin mining has allowed and, and covered, has subsidized the cost of scaling out renewables. But the other thing that's working extremely well is that when they have these more and more frequent weather events like heat waves or storms, like cold snaps, um, cold snaps is probably putting it lightly, um, Bitcoin mining is using purely price signals to turn off so that when air conditioners or you know central heating or whatever goes on, um, the price of electricity goes up, and Bitcoin miners go, "Ooh, that's too rich for our blood," and they scale their operations back um, based purely on price signals from the market. And what they saw during the particularly bad winter storm they had over over winter over um, Christmas was that without any prompting, that any angry phone calls from um, from the energy agency called ERCOT, 
um, 96.4% of miners turned their operations off to allow the grid to transmit the energy that was required by consumers. And then when that kind of the coal, you know, the, the, the need of the grid for that energy was alleviated, miners came back online. So in, in one of the biggest single jurisdictions for, you know, energy and energy management that you could hope for in a developed Western country, you've got an extremely good case study of how this type of Bitcoin mining um, system delivers extremely good value to consumers, strengthens the grid and helps green the grid all at a profit for miners. Can I just, I, I've heard that story with the, with um, Texas and and I understand where it's coming from, but what I don't understand, I'm not sure of it. Are, are the miners being paid to turn off? Are they, yeah. what, what is private? There must be something happening they, there, right? Yeah, so you have to be careful about um, listening to Elizabeth Warren about anything, of course. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so so one of the there are there are lots of types of different ways to procure energy right you can do what um we did at our test site which is you just sign up to a retailer and you shop around retailers to get the best price that's what most people do in their homes um you can shop around generators to find where you would want the best wholesale rates you can shop around regions to find where regionally you're getting the best pricing um, and then you get into quite um, complicated kind of um, derivative or financialized um, arrangements for energy um, and whether that's sort of a futures market for, for energy um, and that type of thing. You can, especially when you're buying at extremely, like really, really large um, volume, you can effectively buy a future price for your kilowatts or, or megawatts of energy. And then when they're not available to you, you can claim, um, you can claim sort of damages or, or, um, or recompense for that, or you can be remunerated for not having access to that energy. And that is that that happens in some cases where you've got what's called a PPA, a power purchasing agreement that guarantees, guarantees you energy or guarantees you a certain amount of uptime or guarantees you a certain price that then that's not um, available to you, you're entitled to some compensation. And I think that's what is kind of referred to by these Bitcoin miners got paid to turn off their sites. Well, actually what they've bought is guaranteed electricity. And when you couldn't provide it to them, they were entitled mm -hmm. to what they would have made mining when they were entitled to that energy. Um, what's not reported in the same breath is that for um, uh, 99. Uh, or was it 98.8% of the year, there's no other downtime. Like, mm. there's no downtime. And so what these retailers or the, or the generators have had over the rest of the year is plenty of profit out of miners to pay that compensation for when they are obliged to provide energy to the grid because we have a kind of a near or natural disaster state that's emerging so it's, in, in it's the wider environment. Win, win, win. Right? Win, win, it's win, win, win. It's win, win, win. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, the producer's yep. winning, the, the, the miner's winning, and the, the populace is winning because when they needed their power at most in a, you know, an emergency situation, yep. they've got it. 
So it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly right. Um, so is, is this, sorry, when, is this like when, an, like an automated process though for miners to actually go, right. Is there a threshold where they go, just they cut off or is this actually manually switching yeah. off? No. So, um, so well, it's, it's a, that's, that's a good question. It depends how sophisticated you are. I mean, even we are writing, we're having at the moment, we're going through a development process with a software developer to create software that will take a bunch of different inputs. So what we hope to have in the future is lots of sites at lots of different generators. And at each of those different generators, we're looking to have, we're, we'll, have we'll no doubt have different arrangements where we might have some contractual arrangements, which is, well, actually you're required to buy energy off us for 75% plus of the day, you know, mm. 20 hours plus a day. And you're only allowed to turn off because we've banked or we've built a business case on extension or we've subsidized you into something. So you have to, you know, you have to make sure you're on for that amount of time, whether it's profitable for you or not. We need software that will go, okay, I need these machines to run for a certain amount of the day we can model the fact that we're likely to see the best prices between the 75% of the day. We're likely to see the best prices between this time, this day and this day. But if we get a very strange pricing signal because of a spike in the spot price, we need to be able to kind of go, Oh, we'll take that off. And then we'll add another five minute, 10 minute, one hour window at the end of our projected window when we can expect to see that. So, um, and then the other side is just taking pure spot price and going, Oh, Price of electricity is uh, three hundred dollars a megawatt. That's not profitable for us. Let's turn off until it gets back down to, you know, mm. two hundred forty-five dollars. And so that software looks at the different conditions that are in that are being fed into it from a different a number of different inputs, puts it through a decision tree, and then decides are we above or below the line, and either turns the miners on or off based on that decision tree. And I would imagine that in Texas these really large miners, I know for a fact that Hut 8 have very sophisticated software that manages all of their sites across a huge number of variables and also tracks the uptime of each each individual machine, plus assessing all of these variables for whether or not they're profitable. Um, I would imagine that these guys have quite sophisticated kind of um, controls over whether or not they should be on or should be off. What happened during the storm, it was purely pricing signal that gave these miners the the um, the turnoff signal. So I would imagine nobody's sitting there with a calculator and a spreadsheet every five yeah. minutes and, and working that out because that's the manual way to do it. Um, in New Zealand, for example, there's a you know um, energy management system uh, which you can buy access to the API for, and it gives you energy pricing in five minute windows. And you could set up software like what we're designing to read that API, say, oh, that's too expensive for us. Oh, that looks good to us. And just tell your machines to either turn on or off. So I'm sure because ERCOT, which is the Texas um, lines or transmissions um, uh, management uh, entity over there, uh, would be more sophisticated than what we have over here because of the complexity of what they're managing. That being said, who knows? Um, so I'm sure they have some sort of signal like that, some sort of infrastructure like that that allows them to do so. Man, I, you're like listening to, oh, sorry, mate, you go. No, please. Oh, I was just going to say like listening to, to this, like, and it seems to be every bloody pod that we do. It just reminds me how fucking early we are. 
you know, like it's all this emergent tech that's just yep. like, it's just mind blowing. Like, like it, it's so simple and makes sense and it should happen, but it's just like, yeah. Anyway. I know. My I know. My do you know what, do you know what I, um, I've got a guiding kind of principle that I shamelessly stole from somebody else. And it is that, um, sound money and abundant energy are key to human flourishing. Yeah. Like Jeff Booth, we need energy, it? power our lights. Uh, could be, I shamelessly ripped it from another mining company's pitch deck. So, oh, okay, um, okay. um, so they, they, Jeff Booth wasn't, um, attributed there, but that's, it's probably is cause he's exactly the kind of person who would say that. And, um, and Bitcoin mining, especially in the way that we're kind of proposing it here and that we're seeing in places like Texas is exactly that intersection, right? It is the intersection of sound money and abundant energy. And it's the lever that activates both of those things. Mm. And when you're, that's what, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning to do this kind of work, because, you know, we are on the smell of an oily rag at the moment as we kind of work to get to our next phase. It's that we are so early that we're the one pulling the big lever on getting this thing started, not scaling it, not maintaining it, not tinkering around the edges or starting it right from scratch in this country. Mm. And so early. But in that early and in that um, sort of asymmetry of knowledge, comes the opportunity right so you the three of us here can sit here and go all right yeah i get this understand what you're saying um i don't i can see what your business is i don't understand but the next question what well, i don't understand why the energy producer doesn't want to do it themselves because holy shit this is exactly what they should do but yeah. then but yeah but, but but because they're not ready for that yet because we are so early that that creates the space for you to have you know a growing business and which will maybe be at some stage vertically integrated into that chain. But I mean, maybe you somebody buys you yeah. out for God knows how much. I mean, I, I mean that's just oh yes, that please. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that just seems natural to me. That just seems natural, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. You just keep working 100%. hard until it happens. And yeah, totally. And and you know, like yeah, we just we just got to keep keep pushing. And I have no doubt that we will get there because it seems so self evident. Um. Yeah. We just got to get. We just got to get the critical mass of interest going, and we just got to get a couple of a couple of deployments under our belt before we can kind of go. See, yeah, it's yeah. obvious. Yeah. So, so, so what is a challenge for you oh. as a for a business? Uh, sorry, Renda, you want to have something? Sorry, say, say that no, again. No, 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 you go. All of just, my question is just: what is the challenge for the business? Like, is it um, the relationship building? Is it the understanding piece? Is it the you know? forming those relationships with with uh, power producers or what, what is the what is the main challenge for you well you know what uh you know what they say is that bear markets are for building um what we have done over the the 12 to 18 months of this last half of the cycle or this last piece of the bitcoin cycle while we're running at a low ebb we're not really mining consistently we're doing sort of more testing and efficiency modeling rather than mining machines that are on i'm actually using to underclock and undervolt to see where i can squeeze the most hash per watt out of them so we're not kind of like full noise all, all machines on um but what we're doing is spending our time thinking about well what is the business model how do we scale it what do we need to do that and what does it look like when we've done it so things like designing 
containers, designing containers that can be moved, understanding what our civil requirements are. Like when New Zealand, at least we have like resource consents or building consents, uh, which, you know, you have to kind of tell the local government what you're doing. Um, is it legal? You know, like if we're going to stick a megawatt of energy into a big metal container, um, first of all, um, we know that it's legal, but, you know, is it legal to be done in any old way you want or are there really specific ways it has to be done, that kind of stuff. So learning about exactly what we're going to deploy once we get funded, the big hurdle for us is funding. Like if you mm -hmm. gave me two to three million bucks, I would know exactly what I would do with it tomorrow. And I know exactly the pathway to revenue for both us and for load for these generators is <clears throat> just need to find it. And uh, to be honest, I'm not out there looking for it just yet. We're at the final stages of kind of gathering up all of that intelligence and knowledge that we've been developing over the last 12 to 18 months and packaging it for the right people. Um, because we really want the right investor online with us because we want smart money, not, uh, I don't want to say dumb money. We do just want mm -hmm. money to be perfectly honest. I will actually just take any money, <laughs> any money, <laughs> any money, actually. I know I have, I just realized I'm shooting myself in the foot. Please just give me some money. <laughs> um, um, well, okay. it is interesting to see the, like the sort of ego deaths of the world coming in, like the, uh, like the big the Bitcoin venture funds now. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, yeah. That is going to be money for a lot of yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to being at Bitcoin Alive where um, one of their founding partners is speaking. Andy, um, yeah. And also I'm on, yeah, Andy, and I'm on stage with um, Daniel from, um, I was on a chat with him the other day. Um, Hardblock. Daniel right. H. Oh. Mm, not Hardblock, but um, digital asset firm. I'll look, I'll look him up. I'll look him up. I hope he doesn't listen to this because that's just bad. Don't worry. No, no one listens. I'm terrible with no, names, no but yeah. But he's a, great, he's a great guy. And again, I just want to get that approach right, you know, um, because I think the, from what brief chat with him, he's a good, he might be a good fit. But um, I'm sure there's heaps out there. And, um, and look, the opportunity is wide open. We're kind of... We're not the first, first movers in New Zealand in Bitcoin mining, but we are probably the first movers in kind of demand response or retail curtailment, retail, sorry, um, revenue curtailment um, in the way that we're talking about doing it. So it's a good space to be in, right time, right place, right country, right people, right proposition, just need the right money. Um, there are three so, there are three Daniels at Bitcoin Alive. Sorry, Brendo, just very quickly. Um, Daniel Leslie, Daniel Pickering, and Daniel from Hardblock too. So, um, and we, 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 Daniel Pickering. Daniel? Daniel Pickering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Daniels are coming at coming at the bends about apparently. <laughs> and the Greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should call um, it Daniels Alive. Okay, I've got a question. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Sorry. Yes. Apologies. Um, Hard when it comes would... to your face. I would like, I oh know, I'm sorry. I would like to know, Simon, your opinion on home mining now. Yeah, look, I think I think every Bitcoiner should have a miner at home. Like it's it's um, a really great way to make sure that um, you don't have the distraction that is a wife around because mm. um, they will be out the door so fucking fast that um, <laughs> you'll never, you know, like it'll, it'll make your hat spin. And um, 
and and um, yeah, they will make sure that nobody else is coming around to hang out because they're so awful to be around. Um, <laughs> and you can really focus in on on what's important, which is Bitcoin, right? Uh, all of that said, and all jokes aside, I think home mining is really important for the strength of the network. Um, you know, there is a huge tier of central, what I call the centralized tier of miners in the United States. And, you know, Texas is a, is a, a knife that cuts both ways because um, it's a great case study for exactly the type of um, uh, grid management that we're talking about here. But also they have gigawatt facilities that represent such an enormous amount of the total hash of Bitcoin that it's a, it's a real risk that that our hash rate and therefore our security is centralized in the hands of just a few companies which have different incentives to us as pure Bitcoiners. They are responsible to their shareholders. So their incentive is actually to grow as big as possible, as fast as possible, to take as much hash as possible and to get the most return um, per hash in Bitcoin paid out as dividend or sold down or or whatever um so their incentives are very different to us and so if we were to create an army of tens of thousands of bitcoiners all with s19s or what's miners uh ms50s or 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 other models that are you know kind of punching up nice and high in terms of hash um we will offset that slightly it's going to be really hard to compete with them if they can continue to buy all of the hash. And um, and so more than ever, I think it's important for home miners to kind of find a cupboard downstairs in a basement in the garage and set up a machine that not only teaches you quite a lot about how Bitcoin works, um, about um, how much energy goes into it, and um and how it all runs on the back end you know like how how a miner runs how you connect to a pool how what the pool does with your hash rate and then how a pool pays you out um is all really interesting stuff to know as a bitcoiner it's a really important part of you know the infrastructure of this asset that we're all so this asset network and currency that we're all you know so kind of um passionate about and and so yeah I think everybody should have one. And there are really good ways to make them quieter, whether that's a home immersion kit or uh, whether it's a sort of a sound baffling box or whether it's just putting them a really fucking long way away. Um, and they're not that expensive to run individually. When you get a bunch of them together, you start shipping into um, quite high power bills. But yeah, all for it. But are they profitable, right? So if I if I want to buy an S nineteen or a M M thirty M fifty, whatever you said, yeah, are they profitable? For it me? depends how much you get your power for. It depends how much you're paying for electricity. So in New Zealand, we get a lot of um, we get a lot of uh, like day and night plans. So you might pay you might pay twenty three, twenty five, even thirty cents during the day, but overnight you might get sixteen, thirteen, or eleven cents. And if you GST registered, that goes, you get another 15% off that. And um, and that's profitable. So you could run it for 12 hours a day, or you could take the average price. And it's kind of like DCAing, right? Like you might, you're kind of putting energy dollars in and you're getting Bitcoin out and you're DCAing in every 10 minutes or every day um, yeah. using your Bitcoin miner. 
are they purely profitable? Is it is and I tell you what, there's a lot of tiers of um, model within the S19 range. There's the there's the older S19s at 80 terahash through 85, 90, 95, 96, 100, 104, 110, 122, 131, 140, 144 terahash models. Each of those comes with different efficiency and slightly different power consumption. So the machine that you get defines whether or not you're above the line, below the line, or right on the line in terms of profitability. But I would also say, as a Bitcoiner, it's worth it to subsidize it by a couple of bucks a day to have money in your pocket, to strengthen the network, to learn about Bitcoin. Um, and like I say, to have a nice empty home free of distraction. And also KYC free Bitcoin. KYC free Bitcoin as well, which, um, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like you can sell that for a premium and uh, last, last I checked that you can, if you're really savvy, you can get about 12% premium on non KYC Bitcoin. Already. Wow. Yeah. 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 The right, the right exchange, the right time, the right buyer with, um, the right mix of fuck all other sellers to be perfectly honest, uh, and not, not sort of dumping whole bunch on the market at once but yeah yeah i've seen 12 percent premiums quite recently um simon what would you, what is your opinion on the current explosion in hash i mean mm. who is who is that yeah oh, i think it's an, texas i think it's i think it's um i think it's a huge amount of um uh hash rate that was sidelined by um urquhart who wanted to slow down um miners coming onto the grid um they reckon that i mean and this is i was listening to one of the guys from the texas blockchain council talk about this recently he was saying he reckons there's another 20 percent to come online in texas that's just waiting to be connected in different ways and so i think that's what we're seeing i think i think we're seeing each of these large facilities that have been waiting to be connected coming online. And it's, and it's companies like Hut8 who have, you know, done a really good job of managing the bear market. have come out of it with a lot of free cash and they're picking up some of these S19s that were bought for $90 a terahash at, you know, the absolute peak and people had nowhere to plug them in because they were into the gold rush phase of, of mining and they bought them in a rush, had nowhere to stick them in their hut eight, picking hundreds of thousands of machines, literally up for $10 a terahash. Brand wow. new inbox, S19s, and plugging them in on mass as well because they're capitalized or well capitalized. Um, and they have the they have the facility and the capacity to to plug them in. I mean, I'd love to see it slow down a little bit. Um, you know, it's a it's a real mixed bag, of course, because it's really good for Bitcoin. It's an you know, it's incredible security for Bitcoin. That's what hash is. It is it is the security budget of the network. Um, but um, it's really tough on small miners like us. It means either you've got to be getting your electricity for dirt cheap, or you've got to be buying the most expensive and efficient machines, um, or you've got to be happy to kind of hash away at a at a at a loss for a bit um and hope that the bitcoin that you're hashing for the pure sake of utilizing your your fit out um 
will eventually be more than it is at the moment, which we all know it will be, but how long can you sit on that and um, and have that kind of on your books at a loss for? That's the question. So yeah, the explosion of hash, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it, 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 generally we think of hash as a quite a lagging indicator, right? Like, um, like the price goes up and then as people realize that um, they can be profitable where they are, they go out and buy machines and they find some facility to plug them in and they they do the kind of instruction and it could take you know six months or a year for hash to catch up to price but we're seeing a very strange i mean it's if it's if it's lagging it's it's lagging by 18 months and that's a very long lag or we're yeah. seeing somebody who's placing a big bet knows where they're getting their energy getting their energy for cheap and are really well capitalized to it and to me that just sounds like texas yeah or russia but that's that's our, that's our whole conspiracy in itself is it it sure is it sure is i mean yeah i mean who got hold of those compass mining sites that they that they sanctioned over there you know yeah but yeah. still i mean we're talking 30 percent increase in hash rate in just a few short months i mean that's more than one or two facilities that's yeah. yeah the reality um, is the reality is hash rate with intel coming in with bitmain uh selling machines like hotcakes no matter what the market is doing hash rate increases are par for the course and maybe they won't be parabolic forever but hash rate increases are life going forward so we, we have to learn how to deal with that how do you manage mm -hmm. that how do you manage that? It's getting your energy prices for cheaper, making sure you're really, really efficient and um, and making sure that you can ride out any periods between when you're efficient and profitable um, so that you're not kind of caught short like so many people were over the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah. If, um, if there was, imagine a hypothetical situation where there was a guy that lived just, quite close to me had just installed 13 kilowatts of uh, solar on the roof and putting in the battery and was thinking about buying a miner for the first time. <laughs> what would you get? What yeah, advice yeah. would you get for that guy? Let's call him Brando. Um, what, what okay, right, right, that? right. Well, this <laughs> hypothetical person should hit me up offline and I'll put this person in touch with our, with our vendor who gets better prices than that main spot prices. And um, and and we'll, we'll sort you out with one. Um, well, Brando, if you yeah, are mate, listening, Brando. Brando is a like, like, I think. Look, if you're getting your, I mean, thirteen kilowatts is great because um, that's you know that's a lot. That's quite a lot of energy. Thirteen, yep, yep. So it depends how much you draw. So it depends how much Brando draws on a daily basis, whether he's got an electric car, whether he uses an electric oven or an induction oven, um, as to how much energy Brando is going to have left over at the end of Brando's day and left on Brando's battery. And, um, and whether Brando wants to be purely off-grid or is happy to kind of charge the battery up off-peak overnight as well, because... Um, you got a duck curve, right? You, you heard of the duck curve? No. no. 
Uh, it's worth look. It's worth looking up. It's a it's a it's a curve that shows how um, during the day, production of renewables goes up massively because as solar comes online and and renewable energy generation peaks around three pm in the afternoon when it's windiest and it's sunniest. Um, but demand goes down over the course of the day, and it actually bottoms out in the middle of the day around and around 3 p.m., and then it comes back up as people come home and turn stuff on again. So what you get is this mis- mismatch of um, energy production and energy demand, which is called the duck curve because it looks like a duck's body. It's got a big kind of, you know, kind of sloping um, yeah. body. And... Um, or maybe duck's an acronym and I've always been mischaracterizing it as such, <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, maybe it's got it. like a, you know, yeah. Disassociated user curtailment. Um, <laughs> I can't think of the K one. Um, <laughs> um, and what it means is that you've got all this excess energy during the day, right? From, especially from solar. And so a Bitcoin miner is the perfect place to put it, especially if your battery is charged, like, what are you going to do with the energy otherwise? Sell it to the grid for pittance? No, turn it into non-KYC Bitcoin. So, um, and the good thing about something like that is you don't, when you're getting your energy for free, you don't need the newest, most efficient miner. You don't have to spend, you know, four and a half, five grand US on an XP. You could get a couple of 80 terahash S19s for 1200 bucks. And, um, and, you know, hash away happily. And they'll work mm. for years and years. Um, and um, you could either you could either plug them into some software that, you know, you could you could run some software on a on a server or something that tells it when on, when to turn off based on signals from your inverter or battery. Um, or you could just kind of estimate the time of the day that makes sense to be mining. Um, and um, away you go. And and yeah, like I say, you won't have any pesky housemates around. You're just you have a house all to yourself. <laughs> well, Brando, Brando, Brando. Right there, listen, please, yeah, uh, please I, call in. I reckon Brando <laughs> would uh, would like that uh, summation. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, very, we'll just very, uh, make sure you send this to Brando. I will. Very he, quickly for the benefit of... Sorry, mate, go on. <laughs> sorry about the lag. <laughs> no, I've got nothing to say. Just fucking... I reckon Brando is hot as fuck. <laughs> um, I've never seen him. Never, yeah. Never turns his webcam on. No, that's right. If uh, Simon, you're coming across to uh, speak at Bitcoin Alive um, on the fifteenth yeah. of yeah. April, um, and just, just sorry, guys, right. just quickly, we got about five minutes left. If you're keen to kind no. of wrap it up, yeah, just okay. as I was okay. going to say, just what, what, what? What should, what should people, if people were thinking about coming along to that, what, what kind of what kind of format is is your thing taken? Do you know yet? Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got sort of a roundtable discussion, um, and it's going to be hosted or or um, emceed by by um, Daz, um, which will be really cool because he's you know he's got um, some great engineering knowledge on it, but it's not necessarily a miner in and of himself, um, but obviously a great personality, great wit, very funny, and um, and and um, I think he'll be awesome. And then, yeah, there's three of us. There's um, Piers, Daniel, and myself um, who will be talking kind of a range of topics. Um, I, I think I mean, we're sort of keen to keep it very conversational. But, um, you know, if I may say so, we're, we're all 
pretty knowledgeable and experienced. And, you know, I think there's so much to talk about in mining. And it's so important, as I think we've kind of outlined here today, that this is a part of business, a part of Bitcoin that is, is fundamental to how it operates. And so it's really important to know about it because, um, you know, lightning is so exciting and has so much awesome functionality and so much potential. Um, um, and it quite rightly steals the show in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, discussion and what it can do and, and, the, and, and kind of highlighting those opportunities for potential. Um, but at the end of the day, us boring old miners are the ones that keep the lights on on this thing. And, um, and there's exciting stuff going on here too. And that's what people can come along and hear spoken about. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll not steal the thunder of the event. Um, hopefully people can make along to that area for themselves. Um, yeah, 15th of April. Um, come along and listen to Simon talk if you'd like to hear a little bit more. And I'm sure there'll be opportunity to chat kind of more socially afterwards if people want to do that too. Um, is there anywhere you want to send some what was that? Sorry, yeah, I was just saying. Is there anywhere you want to send people to, like a Twitter handle or an Oster Pubkey or a oh, or awesome. a, yeah. or so, a website? Um, yeah, no, I'm so I'm at Simon O'Collins on Twitter, um, Stacker.co.nz for Stacker. Um, I'm still building out my Noster um, account, so um, especially after um, Briskets, I've never heard anybody explain Noster as well as Brisket did the other week, and that's why I was really hoping to make an appearance today but uh, that's, that's all good we seemed... <laughs> but that's I, I want to record that little snippet as like a here's here's your nostra primer um anyway um um yeah so so i'm still building up my nostra account but i'll put my pub key in um in twitter as soon as it's looking a little bit tidier um i am committed to nostra i think it's great it's, and it's again it's it's like lightning so exciting so much potential in it and um and so you know it's more and more important for us as miners to keep the lights on for those kinds of innovative yeah. layers over the top of Bitcoin. It's awesome. For sure. Brilliant. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much. Look forward to catching up with you next month. Yeah, mate. Can't wait. Thanks, buddy. Brendo, are you still with us or you got used to your nude? What's happening here? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm just I, I'm <laughs> going to get going to get busy after this. So um, I've, I've had a great time. Sounds like you're happy and busy. Um, are you guys? You guys are Sydney based. Uh, we're like four hours north, so we'll be. We'll, but we were there for a few days, so um, right. we'll okay, get the awesome. Yeah, so I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there Thursday afternoon through Tuesday because I'm keen to meet up with people outside outside the session as well. Um, just because uh, I'm very, I think you know the opportunity. There's so much parallel between New Zealand and Australia's Bitcoin communities. We should be cross-fertilizing as much as possible yeah um, definitely and as far as i know there's not a huge amount of that going on so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna step on the gas on that and this is the first this is the first foray this is the, my junket awesome all right we're still recording Before dude so we've actually we've actually got to say goodbye oh. and then we can keep chatting and thanks <laughs> for being thanks for being our guests goodbye hey you know Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I'll see you next month. Fantastic. Thank you, mate. See ya. See ya, Hats. <laughs>